We are two best friends talking about life inside and outside of the gym as women, daughters, sisters, aunties, coaches, and friends. We will tackle topics ranging from the nervous system, divorce, body image, and dating in your 40s. We also like to nerd out on the inner workings of the heart, mind, and body. All content, opinions, and ideas are taken from our 47 years of combined coaching experience and is not medical advice. We don't apologize for being strong or believing we can change the world. We don't take ourselves too seriously around here, and we invite you to do the same. Okay. Hello, everyone. And... (laughs) This is not my sweatshirt, and I just reached in the pocket... And there is, hold on, let me count this. You guys, it's really One, cold in the gym. A wad of cash. Two, three, four, four hundred and forty, sixty, eighty, five hundred dollars in cash in my pocket. And what color is this lipstick? <laughs> All right, it's pretty neutral. Yeah. Let me put a little bit. <laughs> Put a little bit of that on right there. Mm, yeah, mm, pass mm. some of that over to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. All right. We'll just, should we just put this wad right here <laughs> to mark this episode? Wasn't you guys, there... it's so cold in the gym right now. Like, it's <clears throat> so cold. And we can't have the heater on Mm-mm. because it's too loud. Yeah. So, Chantelle is wearing my sweatshirt. Yes. Yes, money bags. I'm wearing money bag sweatshirt right now. <laughs> well, if you looked at my bank account, you wouldn't think money bags. Money bags needs to put it in her sweatshirt or in her bank account bank. <laughs> oh, that what was an pleasant. amazing introduction. Yeah, that was a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, hello, everyone. I am Chantel Dayton. And I am Lou Crenshaw. And welcome to the Dear Life I'm In podcast. Yes. um, Today, we will be talking about something very, I don't want to say vulnerable, but it is. It feels vulnerable. Yeah, it's not vulnerable for me. Um, it is vulnerable. I'm going to be just asking Lou some questions about uh, the season of life that she has just, I don't want to say like that you've been like out of it now, but like that you've realized, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I know that was kind of just like an abrupt shift from a lot of cash <laughs> to we're going to talk about being vulnerable. Um how about we just take this money off the table? I think it's quite hilarious. Oh, okay. well, why don't <laughs> yeah. we just like spread it out then? I mean, if we're really going to do it. We might as we're well really going to do it. Put the monies was on there, the table. Was there ever a thing in, I don't remember. When I was little, I remember my grandma always telling me, like, if we saw like money on TV, that it had to be fake money. It wasn't allowed to be real money. Like, you weren't allowed to have real money on video. I have no idea. Oh, my gosh. So this little kid in me, as I pulled that out of my pocket, I was like, is this okay right now? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> is this legal? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And I've never actually as an adult looked up to see if it was ever illegal. Or maybe it was just something that your grandma said to, to you know, like your parents. Yeah, your parents into... say, your parents and grandparents say things to get you to, I don't know. Yeah, or behave or something. Yeah, yeah who knows? But yeah. yeah, so right now I'm like, grandma, is this okay that we have... <laughs> hundreds of dollars in cash (laughs) which needs to go to the bank (laughs) yeah yeah. yep asap um anyway yeah uh so thank you for just being willing to tell people about what's been going on in your life Mm. in the last year and Mm. i know (laughs) oh is that what this podcast is about you're welcome (laughs) You know, like when um, you, we just recently were on a podcast and uh, the gal had asked us, is there anything that you would like us not to talk about? Or would you like us to uh, leave out of the conversation? Is there something that you would really like to talk about? Yeah. And I feel like this is kind of one of those topics where, and you and I did not talk about anything that you did or did not want to talk about Mm -hmm. today, Um, which I'm kind of excited about. Yeah. Um, not because it's exposing to you, but because it is part of your life that I I know you to be the kind of woman that teaches and relates to other people through things that you yourself have been through, mm-hmm. right? And so the the way in which you're able to look at parts of your life and wrestle and then through the wrestle not necessarily waiting until you're perfect on the other side of the wrestle but often you've shared your wrestle while you're in it yeah um and i actually remember the very first time that i went to see you speak and this was years ago Mm. and i was teaching karate at the time and you were uh speaking at this um this women's meeting called fight night Mm -hmm. in Medford. And it was right down from the karate school and I was going to be late. And I remember like pulling up and, you know, running upstairs and there were so many women in this bar. It was basically like church in a bar is Mm -hmm. basically what, what they called it. And you were the speaker. And at this point in time, I was new to being your friend Mm. and um, not realizing that, not every night was that busy. It was busy because you were speaking. Oh, is really? I'm not. Let me come on now. Come on. Um, but I remember sitting there on the couch, and you had said you had um your journal out, and you were you had said many things, but then you kind of got to this point where you said, um, "I usually don't talk about things until I'm on the other side of them." Mm. And then, but you said, I felt like it was really important for me to talk about this tonight, even though I don't have all the answers. Mm. And then there was kind of like this hush that went over the room and we all just kind of sat there and were like, okay, tell us more, <laughs> you know? Um, and I just want to say like that, that is, it's very commendable and honorable that you're willing to do that because most people want to have full control and have it all packaged up and um, before they're willing to share 
about something that they're going through. And so um, I would love for you to share with us just even like what the last year has looked like for you, um, you know, as a woman, as I mean, any any area that you want to touch, whether it be business, as a daughter, as a sister, as a friend. Um, That's very vague. It is very vague. <laughs> but I just kind of want you to have not I want you to be able to start where you want to start. Mm. And I'm not really sure where you'd like to start. Um, but yeah, would you like yeah. to just share a little bit about? Yeah, I think, uh, I think sometimes we don't uh, realize the season that we're in until maybe the season's over mm. or we know that we're in it or that something is going on and we're like in the middle of something and we know that it feels hard and we know that it, maybe it sucks or maybe it's, it's rough or it's amazing. Uh, And I think I've always been very aware of the season that I'm in or the transitions that are happening or what's going on in the midst of it. I mean, at least in the last you know, 13 years of being self-aware, 14 years of growing and uh, growing with God, but then also uh, understanding my story and dealing with pain and, you know, old belief systems and, and things like that. I think I've usually been pretty aware of what's going on or just knowing that, Oh man, this is the season that I'm in. But I, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was in, in this one when I was in it. And I didn't know how long I'd been in it for. Mm. And I just thought maybe there was this place in life that I had gotten to. And I was feeling really, dissatisfied or um, hopeless or I I didn't know maybe it was because the dating world was so horrible or (laughs) that we'd come to the end of growth and understanding in the gym or if it was things that had gone on in my family that were really sad and that was just the way things were going to be so I don't think I really understood what the season that I was in actually was. Mm. And I didn't realize how long I'd actually been in it Mm -hmm. and the things that I had done while I was there. And now I, I don't know if you can remember this, but do you remember that day where I called you and I read that excerpt from the book? Yes. Was that before or after I realized where I was. Was that before Christine came, like before Nisha's wedding and before hmm. it came? I can't remember. I, I know think it was. I was, um, I was out of town. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where I was though. I think maybe was I with my family in mm-hmm. Washington? Was I fishing then maybe? Yeah. Um, so that whenever was, was that August? Fishing was. Yeah, because the salmon run is through Yeah, August. so that was actually before that actually brought a journal 
<laughs> I don't actually really think this is a journal. It's more like notes that are on mm. a page. But there is, there was this, I was, we were doing a class and there was a lot of things happening. This, this was when we realized that um, we were going to do the pentathlon and, and things like that. And so I remember that day in that I, I was at the house and I had picked up, um, I was rereading, actually wasn't rereading. I was reading the second part of Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And I don't, re I don't remember why I was doing that, but I had already read the beginning part. <clears throat> I'd actually read the book, but then I had gone back and I was reading the second part. And there was this part that just stood out to me. And it was basically <clears throat> this, this excerpt about how we think that we are, you know, finding meaning and that all of these things are happening in life, but really life is asking questions of us and we get to answer those questions. Mm -hmm. We get to, excuse me, <clears throat> we get to answer to life and we have, we have one life and we get to live it. And that is what responsibility is. And it really is to find meaning in life mm -hmm. and knowing that meaning in seasons is different, different months, different years, day to day, but realizing that it's our duty to, to find the meaning and the purpose in our life. Mm -hmm. And I, I could tell you like, of course that's really valuable and that's really important. And before this day, I'd have been like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. But as I was reading it that day, I, it just, it, it's almost like it just shook me out of a slumber. Mm. And, and I remembered reading this part at the bottom where it was finding meaning in life was our responsibility. And then it was like responsibility, my ability to respond to life. Like I have a responsibility to respond to my life. Mm -hmm. And I didn't necessarily sit there and go, I haven't been doing that, but it, it literally shook something awake in me. And, and knowing too that as Viktor Frankl's talking, he's talking about we find meaning in life, one, by like contributing to the world. Mm -hmm. So doing things in the world outside of ourselves mm -hmm. and not doing it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're not traveling the world to just enjoy life in that way. But part of finding the meaning in life is where we are contributing, playing the significant and purposeful lead role in the story of our lives. And I've then that somewhere <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah. It was an episode that we did. <laughs> so part of finding meaning is contributing and then the other part is loving and being loved by people, loving people and, and being loved by people. And then the third one is to find um, meaning in suffering mm -hmm. and in the difficult things, which is something that we talk about often. And so I don't know what it was about this passage, but I remember calling you and I read it to you. And do you remember what you said when you got like after I had read it to you? 
Yeah. Well, I I was like, oh, I was like, there's my buddy. Mm. You know, there there she is. You know, it because I I felt like, or I have felt like, as your best friend in in the the season that you and I met each other, it was a wild one for me, and. I, f- I felt like there was this like grounding that you had and this, I don't want to say, it's not all knowing, but it was like this knowing of like where you were going, what you were doing, um, why you were doing it mm. and who it was for. And, and then there were the things that you were doing that you liked and what you were doing that you didn't like and what you wanted to do that you weren't doing. And, um, I just felt like there was this such clarity and, but through the clarity, there was always notebooks and, and journals and, you know, and after you and I became business partners and then eventually roommates and then the seasons that are wonderful, but also are much longer than what we anticipated, you know, with living together still. Mm -hmm. And, and the way in which that you process and that you learn and that you, um, it kind of went away Mm. and, and it wasn't, it wasn't like you weren't learning because you still were, you were still reading, you were still listening to things, you were still um, wrestling with things, but it was just, it just felt so different. It, it felt, um, uh, I don't want to say frustrating, but it felt like you were frustrated and Mm. where before it was like it was like this fuel where you like must find the answers to things or the connection. And it was like this passion Mm. and, and it was just gone. And it was confusing for me as your best friend where I'm like, what do I need to do? Do I need to move in, you know, closer? Do I need to move out farther away? Do I need to encourage? Do I need to just let you be? And, and so it was really, hard for me because I couldn't even put my finger on it either. You know, I was, but I also wasn't spending my time trying to figure it out either. Totally. I was just being with you and I just knew that there was something that was different and it was really sad Mm. um, because you weren't who you once were and Mm. not to me or for me, but just who I knew you to be was, I don't want to say disappearing because mm. it wasn't that, but it was definitely blurry. Yeah. Like she was really blurry <laughs> where you're like, whoa, like what? You know, like there wasn't, it was like, you know how when you have like, um, like a telescope or uh, binoculars, you know, mm-hmm. and you're like, you yeah. know, where you're like trying to find it, but yet you're also like, okay, were they there? Were they not? Mm-hmm. And there were moments where you were, and then it was just like, whoa, like, where before there was never a moment I felt like where you were gone, you were always still there and, you know, life kind of ebbed and flowed. But, um, yeah, it was definitely different, you know, like there was something that was different and it wasn't like this depression, you know, like, Oh man, like my best friend is just depressed. Mm. It was, yeah, it was different than that. Yeah. I could agree. I could agree with that, but I never would have, I wouldn't have necessarily 
even noticed had you not said that on the other end of the phone that day. Mm. And I, but I did go, oh yeah. But it, it felt like it woke up like passion in me again because I'm a very passionate person. I mm-hmm. value, it is one of my core values is passion. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do things that I'm not passionate about. I don't want to fight for things that I'm not passionate about. I don't want to live a life that is not filled with passion and you know chasing the meaning of life and chasing purpose and um and and loving every minute of struggle you know and so mm. that for me was really eye-opening but I just kind of let it land and I didn't I didn't I don't I don't want to say that I didn't think much of it because I well I just I really didn't mm. But it was a couple weeks later that I had gone, I drove, uh, I took like a two hour drive to go. We had um, some metal things fabricated for our rig at the Mm. gym and I ran up there one afternoon really quick to go grab them. And I was in the car and I started listening to a podcast and I don't know if I, I just landed on this podcast. And I still, again, I don't really know how. And it was by a this pastor called John Mark Comer. And he's so intelligent. I mean, he's just, he's so intelligent. He's like such a nerd. I loved listening to him. <laughs> but I stumbled on this podcast and he was talking about the dark night of the soul. And I feel like I've like heard about that before, um, but didn't really know much about it and definitely wasn't anything that I'd experienced or was aware of and so I listened to this podcast and I was sobbing in the car Mm. just all alone just weeping because it felt like there was somebody who was putting words to something that I didn't know that I felt Mm. and I'm an Enneagram 8 and so I will just keep going. I struggle with being vulnerable. Um, I don't love feeling weak. Uh, and so to be able to stop and say, man, I'm feeling really hopeless or I'm feeling really sad or I'm feeling really lost or, you know, whatever it is that I might be feeling, I'm not super great at being able to actually put words to it. I might just know that I don't feel right, but I don't have words and I might not take the time to find the words or take the time to sit down with somebody and say, Hey, I really need to process this out. I don't Mm -hmm. know what's going on. Most of the time I just get a little bit more prickly and might work more and press on more and try to learn more. And I move to that five wing of like trying to find more answers Mm -hmm. and not in a healthy way. Um, But I don't even feel like I was doing that. I just felt like I was just sort of spinning my wheels Mm -hmm. really like I definitely hadn't I wouldn't say that I hadn't learned anything but I just didn't really feel like there was anything that was like stirring up inside of me that I was really excited about Mm -hmm. and so I was listening to this podcast and I'm I was just sobbing and then there was a part two to the podcast and then I wept even more Mm -hmm. and more and more and more because as he was talking he's like have you ever felt like this and have you ever felt like this And I mean, he probably listed off 10 things and I probably absolutely was in the car like, yes, 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 to probably eight of them. Mm. And it felt so maybe hopeful 
mm. to go like, oh, this is what this is. I still don't understand what this is, mm-hmm. you know, and he's and he's talking about this spiritual journey and all this stuff. And so I would say that part of part of my journey that I didn't actually realize until after listening to this was that I just hadn't really experienced God in a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know that I hadn't, but I knew that I was struggling to pray. I knew I didn't want to read my Bible. I knew that I didn't see or feel God in anything. It felt very quiet and that like that God had abandoned me. Mm. And obviously that wasn't the case, but that's really how it felt for me. Never was I having this question of faith of was God real, but there was this massive chasm that had been created of distance created by me. And, and realizing that and going, okay. And then, you know, in this podcast, he was talking about how this is actually a part of spiritual maturity. It's a season that we get to go through, Mm. um, that we get to mature and we get to see God differently and we get to see ourselves differently and we get to move through this and we can try to rush through it because we just don't want to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. Or we can stay in it. Mm-hmm. And even today, I feel like I still may be in, I'm still somewhere out there, but I feel like there's a little bit more light that is, you know, it feels like there's an end coming. Mm. Yeah. What that is, when that is, I have no idea. Yeah. Would you say, or what would you say were some indicators or milestones or light bulbs, if you will, of uh, being hopeful that not necessarily that the end is near, but that the season is, or here, let me, let me restructure this. So. Would you say that realizing or even hearing about the dark night of the soul was the first like step of feeling hopeful for where you were at in your life? Absolutely. Because I think it just brought reality to something that even felt confusing or that I didn't even know. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I knew something was off. I, I knew that I knew that I, did I feel depressed? I don't, I'm not really sure, but I definitely didn't feel alive. Mm -hmm. That that's Yeah. 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 So would you say like after, after realizing that, Mm -hmm. what, what did you do after you realized it? Um, well, the next day I went and, uh, just such, such interesting timing because I was like, oh my gosh, this season I've been in, I feel like I've been in this season for the last like nine months. So this happened, this was like August that I'm, I'm kind of realizing this September is when, uh, so it's literally, this is like September and the next day a friend comes into town for another friend's wedding. Mm. And I remember I'm sitting, we're sitting outside, I'm sitting at breakfast with you and Christine at over easy. Mm-hmm. And I'm, or maybe this is a couple days later, but I'm like, girls, this is what happened. Cause I hadn't even told you what had happened. Mm-hmm. And, and 
Christine had said, oh my gosh, Lou, do you remember? Because Christine and I, the April before, so a, even a year before that, um, well, not a year before, but the April... The April of that year, it was yes, a year before that. A year right? before yeah. that, yeah. So it had been like 18 months. Yeah, been a while. <laughs> so not nine, <laughs> yeah. it had been 18. Yeah. And she said, but Lou, do you... So we went to this... Um, we went to this women's retreat in North Carolina and um, the there was a lot of things that had happened. There was a lot that happened. There was a lot of things that we learned. Uh, there was a lot of takeaway of, you know, engaging in conflict and being able to listen to our hearts. And, you know, there was all this stuff. And she, she said, do you remember? So I'm telling you guys this story. And she's like, but do you remember when you stood up at the end of the retreat and you told us all what happened while you were here that weekend? And I couldn't remember really. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh my gosh, go back and listen to the video that I sent you because I sent you a video when you were giving your testimony at the end of the thing. Mm -hmm. And so after breakfast, I went home and I listened to it and I again probably started weeping because during that retreat, so that would have been April of 2022, mm -hmm. Um. There I was, I remember I was walking, I was out for a walk during this retreat and I heard this very distinct, like the place was called a place for the heart. That's what the land was called. And I was walking and I just felt God like speak that there is a place for your heart. Mm. And that was really scary for me because I'm already a very passionate, intense person in my, just in my person. So then the thought of my heart having a place as well, like fully my heart, not just like certain parts, but like fully my heart, I felt like that would be even more overwhelming and mm. would feel like even too much. I already feel mo more often than not like I'm too much, mm -hmm. but then you unlock all the parts of my heart and then Am I going to be way too much? Mm. Which obviously to some of you out there listening, you're like, well, that's silly. Why would you think that? It might be silly for you, but mm -hmm. that for me, it felt very, very, very scary. Mm -hmm. And I had shared that. Mm -hmm. And Christine was like, that's what you've been doing. Mm. That's what this journey has been. Yeah. And I thought, holy shit whoa, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then I started just looking back at really what had happened and knowing, okay, this is very much like a dark night of the soul season, but how many things had opened up in my heart. Mm -hmm. I had um, read this incredible book uh, called um, The Voice of the Heart by Chip Dodd and really had um, sort of established new framework, new beliefs around really challenging emotions um, like loneliness and fear and anger and sadness and loneliness and shame and guilt and gladness 
and had been teaching that mm -hmm. and then also living it. Mm -hmm. And then in the midst of that as well, we started doing the transformational breath journeys. And so like I had read a voice of, of the heart and those things were unraveling in my life. And then we started doing breath journeys and then started walking with people through breath journeys. And that was like so incredible. Um, and then, and then came like a few months after or a few months like maybe before that where um, I had started to realize some like bigger things in my life that I just realizing, oh my gosh, I, I don't really know how to function with self-compassion. Mm. And I don't know if we want to tell that story, but I'd actually like be willing to tell the story. Yeah, I actually yeah. think it's kind of funny, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I think so. I think, I mean, wherever you want to go, I think this is, this is great with, with all of, all of this. I think that the, um, you realizing these things are, I, I think, I think, well, I, I just, I want this to be really relatable for people because I really do feel like that is what we offer at mm -hmm. Drop Gym and that that's what we offer where it's not just, you know, Lou Crenshaw only feels this way and has the time to feel this way because she's this and this and this and this. And I feel like mm -hmm. sometimes what we do is we often will pull back mm -hmm. from um, accepting or seeing ourselves mm -hmm. in these situations because we disqualify or ourselves from an experience that you might be having because we're not exactly like you. Mm. And I don't feel like that's what we're offering here, mm -hmm. you know, like with this. And so I would love to, I mean, even the things that you're, that you're sharing with the story and how even like you're realizing or when you realize that like, this was this was a desire of your heart or this is what happened there was a shifting somewhere mm -hmm. and but i think the most important thing to note through this is your vulnerability also mm -hmm. if you did not or were unable to be vulnerable at this women's retreat in north carolina where christine was able to hear you mm -hmm. and then she was able to document this save it, send it to you, mm. and then have you reference it 18 months later. Yeah. There wouldn't be anything for her to say, hey, remember. Mm. Hey, remember when. Yeah. And because what happened in that moment, I can't speak for Christine, and I wasn't there, but what happens in moments like that, I feel like it, it impacts other people and we don't get to always see that overflow. Mm -hmm. You know, we see it as a moment where we might have a little bit of a vulnerability hangover where we're like, <laughs> yeah. did I share too much? Or, you know, and not did I share too much in like, did I overwhelm people? But in just, is that really how I feel? Do I want people to, because I feel like vulnerability, one of the coolest things about vulnerability is you offer people an opportunity to think of you differently. Mm. And that is something that I've always like hesitated with parts of my story, little dark corners of my life where like if I, if I reveal some things about where I was or where I am, 
I give people an opportunity to think of me differently. Mm. And I also give people the opportunity. I also invite people in. And so I think what is really neat about this is and it's not saying like, okay, go profess all the things, go stand mm. on top of your car and, mm. you know, grocery store parking lot and say, and, you know, be vulnerable with where you're at, but your people, you know, you were in a situation, you were in at a retreat where you were with women who were fighting for the best of themselves, you know, and they were going through the same process and they were saying like, okay, this is what I want. And this is because everybody did what you did. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so when you find people like that, when you find groups like that, I think probably one of the scariest things, and maybe you can even speak to this. Um, there might be like a question of whether or not you really want to be that vulnerable mm -hmm. or whether or not you should or, but we have always said this in, in here in the gym where there's like one woman who will break the room open. Mm. One woman who will make a move and do something that will give the rest of the group permission to also open up and move forward. Yeah. And so do you feel like, or was it, in that moment, did you second guess sharing? Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. My heart was racing and I was like, I'm not standing. Because it wasn't, it was just a time where people were just popping up and sharing in front of everybody. It mm -hmm. wasn't like everybody went around the room and shared what the weekend had been for them. Mm. There was just moments and you just know sometimes when it needs to be something that you do because your palms are sweaty and your heart is racing mm -hmm. and you feel like your face is getting red already and no one's even looking at you. Mm. You know, like you, you just have those moments where you know that they're important. Mm. You know that your body is rising to the occasion to be challenged right now and you get the opportunity to stand up and share where you're at. Mm. What um what was your fear in that moment? I mean, I think just being seen because there was a lot of other mm. things that had happened throughout the weekend that were really big for me that I don't <laughs> Can we just go right back to that, please? What? Like what did you just say? You just said being seen. Mm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't want you to raise your hand in your car or anything, but like, <laughs> or keep one hand on the wheel, please. But if you're listening to this, can you relate to that? Mm. Can you relate to the fear of being seen? Yeah. Of what if I am seen? Yeah. You know, what will happen? What if these parts of myself are seen? Yeah. Like, what if the the weak non-functioning like wait you do what you do and you're struggling to mm. engage your heart like what's what's wrong with you you're not a great you're not a good leader yeah how are you leading people and doing what you're doing without this yeah you know um and so i think that part was was that part was really challenging but then there was a deeper there was a lot of other things that had happened that were even more vulnerable in the realm of um i we were had a big night of music that next night or it might have been that same night and i felt this extreme vulnerability 
uh, like I didn't want to sing and I didn't want anybody to see me. And I was like kind of hiding in the back, which would just totally not be like me. And Mm -hmm. I had my hands in my pockets and I felt so insecure, Mm. which felt so bizarre to me because Mm -hmm. that's not, it is not my person. And, um, and a friend of mine came over and was chatting with me and I was like, I feel so insecure right now. Mm. And she was, she said to me, she said, that's what's you're feeling all the things that are happening in the room. Mm. And I would never say to you that I'm an empathic person that Mm. I can feel all the things that people are feeling in a room. I can pick out the person that is wants to rebel against the system and wants to say like, this isn't going to work. And I'm like, Oh, but yes it is. But (laughs) feeling feeling the insecurity or feeling the fear or feeling those like very vulnerable uh, emotions, I don't, that was not normal for me. Mm. And so then I felt so overwhelmed with how overwhelming that felt in my body. Mm. And then I just wept and I cried for people that are really, really empathetic. And sometimes it can feel overwhelming for them Mm -hmm. because I'd never felt that before. Yeah, And so I felt, like I had um, as if I was like a little kid and I had this big sword and I was like and mm-hmm. flailing around because it was too heavy for me to hold because the the feeling of overwhelm and insecurity and fear and like wanting to put my hands in my pockets and hide in the crowd was so much mm. that I didn't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to engage that at all. Yeah. And so that had happened as well. And so standing up in front of a group of people and saying, I don't really know what it feels like to feel the overwhelm of empathy and that wave of things that felt maybe, I don't know if it felt arrogant or it felt insensitive or it felt like a lot of things that I didn't want to share with people. Mm. Yeah. 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 And so I left then and you know, went on my way going, oh my gosh, like life is going to be so great when I engage my heart. Mm-hmm. And then, oh my gosh, it, everything just went dark. Yeah. Well, I remember when you came back and you were very excited and you were just like this new, you know, I, I have this, you didn't, I don't, I don't remember what you said. You said, uh, cause you and I refer to each other as buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, mm-hmm. um, you said, I was buddy 2.0, yeah. you know, coming back home. And then our friend Sydney, who was, uh, just, I guess she was your chauffeur mm-hmm. around over yeah. there. And, um, and I could hear her kind of laughing in the background when you had told me that over the phone mm-hmm. and, you know, and in my heart as your best friend, I was like, my best friend doesn't need to be different. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that, that was just like my heart in almost like as your advocate, I'm like, you don't need to be upgraded. Like mm-hmm. I <laughs> love you no matter what, you know, like even if things are like, you know, but, but I do understand obviously the improvement and the hopefulness that that like where it's like, oh, I get to engage with something that I've, that I struggle with, you know, um, and in a different way, I have a yeah. new tool to get to know myself a little bit better. Yeah. Um, so after that retreat, right. Mm-hmm. And then there was the season of engaging differently and you actually mm-hmm. shared some tools with me, which they were absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, 
So then some months go by and you kind of find yourself in a space where things, like you said, like they go dark. Mm -hmm. So what does maybe on the like on your daily from, you know, like you can like condense a week or a day or what are some things that you felt like that were out of the ordinary that you could um, share with people that are listening that mm-hmm. maybe they could relate to and just be like, yeah, um, but a little, a I, little afraid of maybe saying out loud. I started eating like crap. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I just was eating whatever. I didn't care. I was not exercising. Um, I was not journaling. Mm-hmm. I, d- I wasn't, I wasn't, and I'm, I'm a pretty regular uh, j- journaler. <laughs> <laughs> journaler. <laughs> Um, and I just felt really uninspired. Mm. I felt really uninspired. Had I, had I looked at this from another lens or had I maybe gone to a psychiatrist, they could have said, you sound like you're depressed, Mm -hmm. which I could have been right. Because sometimes depression just looks like a dissociation, a moving away from to get our thoughts in order. So could that have been a state that I was in? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But needing to be medicated for it or something like that wasn't what it was. But had you looked at it from a clinical standpoint, I might have, you might've looked at it and said, Oh yeah, you're just struggling with depression. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm going to tell you guys a story and I'm going to preface this story and be like, hey, if you're a dude, you may not want to hear this or you can just be like, "Okay, well, this happens. And so fireworks really started going off uh, this March and uh, not literal, not literal. Okay, so I am I move quickly. I move fast. I sometimes, uh, I think one time you said to me, sometimes you move so fast that people don't know that you care about them. Mm. And I remember that was devastating to me, not Mm. because you said it to me, but it was devastating that that's how I affect people. Mm. Um, And I really like wanted to change that. I remember like crying on the floor of Mm. our really old apartment. It was probably freezing cold in there and I was probably bundled in like a down Mm. jacket because it was so cold in there, (laughs) right? Remember those days? Yes, I do. boy. Um, Poe. Yeah. And, (laughs) and so, and so I've like really worked on that, but there are times where I just forget where I put things and I don't know where they are or I leave them somewhere. And you've definitely experienced that as my best friend. And often you'll say, Hey, be nice to my best friend. Mm-hmm. When you know that I'm basically giving lashings to my own mind because mm-hmm. I can't find my whatever. Mm-hmm. And so there was this time frame. It was probably March or April of this year. So it was about a year from that retreat. And um, I had in in a span not a very long span of time i had misplaced a brand new yeti uh like 64 ounce water bottle that i couldn't find mm-hmm. and then one day i was looking for my 350 dollars golf watch that i couldn't find mm-hmm. and i was just like oh my gosh i just like i you know mm-hmm. and then i found both of them i had left one at your parents gym and then my golf watch was under something in a drawer Mm -hmm. but 
So I don't use tampons. Hmm. I use a menstrual cup. And right before I had not been able to find my menstrual cup and I was like, where did I put it? Did I accidentally like throw it away? Like, and I, this was coming into my next period. So I hadn't seen it since my last period. Mm -hmm. And I was like, where did it go? I cannot find that thing. So that was the last period. Couldn't find it. So I was like, well, I guess I got to use tampons because I need to order. I think I tried to order some other menstrual cups, which ended up being horrendous. I don't even know what brand they were, but they were terrible. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well. And so then a month goes by and I am, I am, I haven't ovulated and I'm a little bit worried about that. Mm -hmm. I am not young. I am 43 now. So at the time I'm 42 years old and I didn't ovulate for the month. Mm -hmm. And then my next period comes about, I have my period, it's fine. But then for days afterwards, I am probably for. And by fine, you mean like it still is, it was kind of unusual, right? Well, it was, I had finished my period. So I had a normal, I had a normal period. So I couldn't find my menstrual cup. Um, and so I used tampons. Yes, I was using mm -hmm. tampons and then I, um, didn't ovulate that month. And so then I had got another period and then I was spotting for, I think it was like 12 days afterwards, mm. just kept spotting and spotting and spotting and spotting. And so I'm going through this. Like I'm literally looking back at my life going, did I miss out on being a mom? Mm. And there's like these deep fears, like deep fears of like, okay, well, if you're not ovulating anymore, you're not going to be able to have babies. I'm not talking to anybody about this. I'm keeping, I'm, this is very private. Mm -hmm. I'm analyzing like maybe every man that I missed out on and like did my fear of getting divorced end up like keeping me from getting married to a really good man but then I'm like thinking back and I'm like man I just don't really feel like I've missed my husband like mm -hmm. I don't I don't feel like I have missed God's best for my life mm -hmm. have I met some great men absolutely but did they feel like oh my gosh I missed out on forever I just didn't mm -hmm. but then I'm also analyzing this and looking and going oh my gosh what if I miss this and yeah. so I'm there's this like deep grief that's going on in me for a month mm -hmm. and then all of this spotting is happening mm -hmm. and I'm like what is going on I'm talking to a friend of mine who is really good with hormones and things like that and I'm like I do not know what's going on something is wrong mm -hmm. like something is wrong and so so then I'm having to wear a tampon every day. I'm like 12 days after a period and I'm still spotting every single day. Yeah. And so one day I am like, oh, I need to, I need to change my tampon. There is no tampon. There is a menstrual cup. So, so I'm sorry for those of you that are like is, gasping right there now. There is the menstrual cup the menstrual cup that i misplaced that you misplaced which the one that I has been gone for a month and a half one two six six, six weeks, weeks. Mm -hmm. and so it has been inside of you for six, six weeks. weeks 
So filled, filled, yes, not emptied, and filled. so you had mm-hmm. o- the overflow of it. Mm-hmm. There has, was massive overflow, yes, and you had put tampons and in, that, yeah, and I yeah, felt my I couldn't tell at all, yeah, and no discomfort, no nothing. So immediately I start becoming afraid that now I'm not only am I not going to have children I'm going to die yeah totally like I'm going to get toxic shock and I'm dying next week yeah for sure right I'm so afraid and so I call my doctor um and I'm I say oh my gosh Hannah here's what happened what can you do for me so she's like here's what we're going to do so she puts me on um a couple things for infection bacteria all this kind of stuff I'm supposed to have a massage you bought a baster. Oh. <laughs> I was going to skip that. Oh. <laughs> I bought a turkey baster to <laughs> clean it out. You did. Yep. Apple cider vinegar, turkey baster to just clean her out. Well, get yeah. as much out as I possibly For could. For sure. So my, um, I'm supposed <laughs> to have a, to like <laughs> lighten it up, but I was like, it's just, yeah, I mean, guys, this is like, this is, it's terrible. Like just make sure you take your menstrual cup out. Um, yeah, but sure. I, again, it was like one of those things where you're like, of course you lost your menstrual cup. Bleep. Mm-hmm. You piece of bleep. How could you do that? Bleep. Like how, like all of this, I mean, just lashing after lashing after lashing after lashing I mean I was so it was awful Mm -hmm. and so I go to um so then I asked my doctor I'm like should I go sit in the sauna she's like absolutely not we have a shift the next day and she's like if you get in that sauna you might make yourself yourself real sick if you're if you've got an infection right and I'm not sick at all I don't have a fever I don't feel bad I haven't felt bad at all in this time frame which mm-hmm. I'm just like my body is incredible like mm-hmm. so crazy so then I'm supposed to have a massage I go and I'm wandering around um or I go to sit down, I go to get my massage and my massage therapist, is, I told her what happened. She's like, I'm not touching you. Cause she's like, if I loosen something up, like you could get so sick, mm. so sick. I'm not, I'm not touching you. <laughs> she's like, you need to leave. So I'm waiting for my doctor to send an order or to fill the order of the medicine that she wants me to take. So I go over and I'm wandering around Barnes and Noble. Just can't believe that I did this, worried that I'm going to die, mm. knowing that like, oh, maybe I will be able to have children because mm. I probably did ovulate. I just didn't see any of it. And so it's this like swirl and I'm wandering around Barnes and Noble and I walk right up to this book titled Self-Compassion by mm. Kristen Neff. And I opened it up and I started reading the first page and I realized that I had zero capacity skill ability um capacity for self-compassion and that made me really sad yeah and so i bought the book and then it had like a companion book to it and i came home and i started reading it and it was really it was very challenging yeah I i don't think i've seen you read many books and I've seen you read, and usually you will read through them very quickly, mm. 
or you'll read half of them <laughs> and then find a new book that you want to yeah. read and that one will just be shelved for a mm-hmm. bit. But this was one that was found on the living room floor next to your journal or your Bible or mm-hmm. very often. And so it was for months. Mm-hmm. And it's still something that's still kind of out and referenced. And so it took you a very long time. It took me six months to get through it. To finish it. No, it took me March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. No, it took me nine months to yeah. get through it. I finished it in no, in December. So crazy. I just finished it. Yeah. And so there was this. just this level of really sadness mm. of not of knowing the 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 gift that self-compassion was and knowing that I didn't have it mm. and how much it could have changed so many things when it came to learning and performance and so many other things relational things etc but i remember um the next day we had shift and uh, there was a girl who had come in to shift and, uh, we kind of started chatting and ended up over time. I started working with her. She's a, like a life consultant, counselor, therapist, emotional consultant. I mean, what a, many a different titles, mm-hmm. but I basically got a hold of her and I said, look, here's where I am. I don't know how to do this mm. and I don't have a lot of compassion for my adult self, my teenage self, my little girl self, I don't, I don't know how to do this. And mm. here's what happened. And here's how I got here. And I didn't really want to share that on the podcast. But also, <laughs> it had just gotten to a place that I just I couldn't, I couldn't be as cruel to myself as I had been because it wasn't working. Yeah, because guys, us being harder on ourselves doesn't get make us better it does yeah. it's just it's a lie that the world has sold us that's the self-esteem movement has sold us and it doesn't work mm-hmm. and i can say firsthand i know that yeah. and so i started um meeting with her and that was like really really helpful uh, because of the level of compassion that she functioned in um I feel like God has given me like many a friends, you and some other friends that are very, very dear to me that are just very compassionate, empathetic, kind, patient human beings mm. in the in the spaces that I'm not. Mm. And so I've gotten to learn that. And so in working with her, the the compassion that she showed was um, was very transformative. Mm. And so, uh, but then I realized uh, as we were talking, so f- kind of fast forward to this is April, May and April and I'm um, I'm learning self-compassion. So in this from the retreat to now, I'm like the voice of the heart book has been something that's like really woken up in me and being able to see and not necessarily be any better. When I say better, I mean more skilled in the area of conflict. I'm I am I struggle with a lot of shame in the level of conflict that I am not very good at. I just there's mm. certain certain conflict that I just don't I just my brain is not wired to be able to do it yet. Mm. I'm learning. 
but I often feel like a rebellious teenager in certain areas of conflict. And mm. so there's a lot of shame wrapped around that, but also being in this journey since April of 22, seeing really how I have grown, but so there's the voice of the heart, there's the breath journeys, and now there's this self-compassion that is waking up in me that takes what looks like and what is this dark night of the soul, but is this actual very deep season of heart work. Mm -hmm. Very, 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 very deep, very young, like my little kid, my teenager, um, like little moments of just being kind to myself, just stopping in a moment of playing golf where I want to chastise myself because I just shank the ball and I just stop and I'm like, it's okay, sis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm here and I'm not leaving. Mm. Yeah, and then good. misplacing something. It's okay, sis. I'm here and I'm not leaving. Mm -hmm. And just on the daily functioning in self-compassion and mm -hmm. then some days not daily doing that. But I think the funniest part is that as the three of us are at breakfast, you, Christine, and I, and I'm realizing, oh my gosh, I've been in a dark night of the soul. I was like, you guys, when Christine points out this thing. And I was like, I freaking sold my Jeep and bought a damn Prius yeah. right after this. Yeah. yeah. I sold my Jeep in May and I freaking bought a dumb Prius. Prius. Yeah. 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 WTF. <laughs> if you know me, I loved my Jeep. Mm -hmm. It brings me a level of joy that few things do. Mm -hmm. The top off, the music up, driving down the road, singing at the top of my lungs mm -hmm. with people that I love. Like mm -hmm. there are few things that I love more than that. And gas prices went up and I was like, I ought to be responsible. I ought to be practical. I'm going to be very pragmatic about this. Not that I'm thinking practical, pragmatic or mature mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. any of this. And everybody's looking at me like I'm freaking crazy. Mm -hmm. And they're all like, why are you doing this? And I have my reasons. Mm -hmm. And I wish somebody would have just like slapped me upside the face and said like, uh, no, I actually don't wish that they would do that because that's no, not helpful. I, Again, yeah, I don't. <laughs> As your best friend, I know you well enough, and I'm going to say this on our <laughs> podcast. Oh, no. I know you well enough to where when you make a decision to do something, yeah. like to let you do it. Yep. And not try to convince you otherwise or to, because I am one that will... I don't want to say overthink things because I don't think that I'm an overthinker by mm -hmm. any means, but I definitely need some convincing to change my mind of mm -hmm. what I do believe or what I want. Right. So yeah. I will, I will hang tight on that. And yet I will also like, it takes me a long time to shop for something mm. that, you know, that I want, like I have a Toyota Tacoma, which I absolutely love Lou and I both got our kind of dream cars around the same mm -hmm. time. And then, and when then I sold mine. And then when she sold it, so it was this this feeling of 
do I have to do this too? You know, and because it was, or do because I have to, or do I need for, to? Yeah, because the gym pays for gas. We have a car stipend, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, do I have to do this? And then I was like, no, I don't have to. But then the next thing I went to was, do I need to do this? Mm-hmm. And and then the next thing I went to with me not doing this, what does this mean? Mm. You know, if this is what this means for Lou, and this is important for her to give up something that she loves for something that she does not love In for order the to sake save of money. doing, of doing <laughs> the good, the good thing. Saving money. And yeah. then for me, I'm like, F that I'm freaking <laughs> keeping my truck. And like, I never, I didn't even think about you selling your no, truck. That wasn't you, even, it wasn't didn't. even an option. It was like, no, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. And you I definitely shouldn't. I yeah. Will. And I like during that time, I remember like, not even I remember thinking like I need to ask her like what the F are you doing mm-hmm. not because it was like something reckless by any mm-hmm. means nobody was gonna get hurt yeah. nobody was gonna lose their job the gym was it wasn't this big risk but it was like I was just like wow she like really is willing to do this and it made me kind of sad mm. and but I'm like I'm not there's nothing that I, 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 like I said, I know you well enough to know that when you decide to do something that you're going to do it. And, and not because you're like stubborn or anything, but because you believe that that's like the right thing to do. It felt like the most responsible thing for me to do. And I am definitely a firstborn. Yeah. And I'm a third. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you're actually a baby by distance of years. Yes. By years. Yeah. Yeah. And so I definitely wasn't, you know, I don't feel like I'm irresponsible by any means, but I know for sure one where I'm like, well, my plan was to keep this truck forever. Mm -hmm. Forever. Yeah. So I was like, this is not a part of the plan. Yeah, totally. (laughs) It wasn't a part of your plan. No, it definitely wasn't. But I was very sad for you. And even every time we drove in the car, every time. And it was actually a really cute Prius. (laughs) It was a cute Prius. If a Prius were cute. Yeah. It was definitely your Prius for sure. Um, Pepper was cute. She was cute. Yeah. But. But. Yeah. So the day I realized the season that I was in, I legitimately immediately sold my car. Yeah. I mean, put it up for sale immediately. Mm-hmm. It didn't sell. No. Nope. No. It took a really long time. So here is the very end of this story, you guys, because this has been a very long, drawn out story. But a great one. A great one. But I was just thinking, I wonder if that's even still on anymore because your battery may have died. Well, we might need to look at it. <laughs> So put it up for sale and I'm not, it's not selling, it's not selling, it's not selling. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go down to the dealership. So take it down to the dealership and they buy my car. And in the midst of that, I run into a guy that I've known for a while. We're chatting, catching up. He's like, you still running solo? And I was like, man, dating is hard here. And he's like, oh my gosh. So we start, you know, going on stories and getting ready to walk out. And he says, I think I have somebody I might want to set you up with. So I walked out of there with a blind date, which was great. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So I sell my car. Which is how we want it to be done, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Like Set us up. Yeah. In the wild. Yeah, like in the wild, like through like people, like, you know, that are like, hey, I know that it's really hard. This is like a little side note, but it's really hard when 
you feel like, oh man, like, because some people are very sensitive to being single. Yeah. And like, it's like this horrible thing. And <laughs> yeah. like, it's so, it's like a disease. So you're yeah. like, you don't want to talk about the disease where you're like, hey, I have a cure for this disease. Yeah. And he lives, you know, three houses down. But yeah. no, like, it is something that I feel like people are a little apprehensive when they know of someone that is yeah, also single that sure. they feel like is a good guy. But yeah. if you do, if you have, if you yeah. have, keep us guys, alive. if you have friends that are single, I mean, <laughs> Let There's two of us over here willing to relocate. We if are. He's willing to relocate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we could pick up the gym and move it, I yeah. probably would. But yeah. Oh boy. Anyways, that's a totally different story. Yeah. So, I sell my car. Mm-hmm. I'm on the hunt. So sweetly, one of my clients let me borrow her car and let me borrow her brand new Tacoma. So I was driving around Such a brand a new car. I mean, I was so sweet. And I am telling you, I couldn't freaking get the dealership in Medford to freaking help me to save my life. It was, it it was insane. Yeah. The runaround was, Oh my gosh. 15 days of running around. I got ghosted for 10 days and there's a big dealership here in town and they kind of run the roost. So they don't really care. Like they just don't have to care. So finally I got back a hold of the guy who set me up on the blind date and I was like, Hey, is there anything you can do to help me out? And he's like, unless you want to buy a Toyota. I'm like, I don't want a Toyota. I want a Jeep. Mm-hmm. I want a Sport. I want a Jeep Wrangler Sport 4X. I would like the new hybrid so I can save myself some gas, but also still have my Jeep. I would really like a white one, but like I'd be okay with a couple of other colors, but I just want a Sport. And they were like, well, we can only give you this and this and this on the Sahara or the Rubicon. I'm like, I don't want those ones though. Mm-hmm. I want the base model. I actually want the base model. I don't want the really more expensive ones because I don't want to use all those things mm-hmm. because I'm responsible, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, hold on, let me call a buddy of mine in Klamath Falls. He runs the Jeep dealership in Klamath Falls. And this guy, Brandon Berg, oh my gosh, calls me on Christmas Eve, 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 Eve. And I'm like, Brandon, this is what I would really like. Here's what's been happening. No joke, you guys, within 15 minutes, he made me a car deal. I got the color I wanted, the car I wanted, for the the price price I wanted, wanted. all the things. He haggled me, not at all. And then he's like, hey, we'll sign the paperwork. We'll get the paperwork done tomorrow. I will put it on a truck and I will bring it over to you because Klamath is about two hours away. And he says, I'll ship it over to you for free. And I'm thinking, what in the world? Okay, all right. He's like, I'm trying to take some business from Medford. And I'm like, well, I'm going to send all the people your way and be Mm -hmm. like, do not go to the Jeep dealership here because, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it was, it was such a bummer. Mm -hmm. It was actually really such a bummer for me. And Brandon was so helpful. It was so easy. Mm. And, um, he then sent it over the next day and I had made a joke because it was like Christmas and I was like, can you put one of those bows on it? Like you see in the commercials when they park the car in people's driveway and they surprise them for Christmas. And he's like, I'll see what I can do. I don't know if we have any bows left over. And so he texts me in the day and he's like, we don't have any bows. He's like, but I'm going to send somebody out to find you one. And so he gets back to me and he's like, man, they went all over town. So my Jeep showed up Christmas Eve Eve night with a bow on the front. The price I wanted, I got in the car and it was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was so much nicer than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting heated seats. I was not expecting a heated steering wheel. I was not expecting remote start. I was not expecting all of these things. And it was 
so much more than I had ever expected. Mm. And I just cried and cried and cried and cried. And I was like, man, I kind of feel like I see the light at the end of this totally tunnel. Totally. And, and then I, um, I was talking to a friend and I was talking about just I had said I just dropped off the Christmas presents to my nieces and nephews and I just gave them money because I wasn't really sure what to get them. And uh, and I I was like, I had I had this grandma once. She wasn't by she was my grandma by marriage and she had given me money one year. And I'm telling the story and I said she had given me money one year because and I'm, I'm not talking about the Jeep. I'm not talking about being responsible with money. I'm just talking about giving my nieces and nephews money and just being like, buy whatever you want, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said I had this this grandma once and she literally ripped me up one side and down the other because I bought a Nerf toy when I was like 10 and didn't buy something that she said was more responsible. And I immediately like there it stopped is, folks. and I was like, there it is. Holy shit. The responsibility <laughs> seed was planted and here we go. Here's the tree and it's a freaking Prius. <gasps> the fruit is a Prius, oh, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my gosh. And so <laughs> in the midst of this season that has felt really dark, I mean, I, I, I really don't feel like I'm on the other side, but I definitely feel like I'm on my way out Mm -hmm. and I I don't want to rush out and I want to learn everything that I can here and I want to soak up everything that I can soak up in the midst of it, even knowing how hard it is, but I do, I feel inspired again. I feel passionate. Mm. I get in my car every day and I'm just like, oh my God. I just love this. Oh, I just so feel good. so grateful. Um, and I know that 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 my heart is more awake than it's ever been. I know that I know that I know that I know that my ultimate desire in this world is to help people find meaning and purpose. Mm. For a long time, it was like, I love people. I love watching people find their potential and see their potential. No, I love helping people find meaning and purpose in their Mm. life. Like that's why I get out of bed every morning. And so as this season, I really do feel like is wrapping up. I have really understood my why of why I'm alive, Mm -hmm. my values as to why I'm alive and I do know that you and I are definitely going to be putting a course together soon about meaning and purpose and whys and um, and just really actually wanting to share that because it's so crucial and it's so important and it's so valuable and it's so beautiful and it's so freaking hard yeah yeah that's so good well Lou thank you for sharing all this yeah with us and yeah you know, as your best friend and seeing you go through it's, you know, the last two years and just even being with you in the process of you realizing these things, it's just, it really is just so hopeful, um, Mm. you know, for it just, I see you being so hopeful for the Mm. future. And even though it's not exactly what you thought it was going to look like or what other people you know, expect it to look like or what it quote should look like. Um, It's, I feel like when we're really honest with our lives and we really are able to 
step back and really be vulnerable in moments and share where we are with people, we grow. Yeah. And sure. when we grow, things change. And when things change, it's not easy. Yeah. And when things aren't easy, we feel like we shouldn't be there mm. because things are supposed to be easier. They should be easy. And yeah. so I just thank you for your courage and, you know, your willingness and your vulnerability. And um, it does offer hope for people who are listening to this and who are like, Oh my gosh, like I don't, I don't know what to do or they get lost in. I want to note as well that I feel like sometimes what happens when people do get in these seasons is instead of feeling the discomfort or the overwhelm, they reach to other things so that they can cope with the season. And then they end up in, cycles of addiction or just running from these things. And so feeling and allowing yourself to feel, allowing yourself to change and to um, look at things differently or to slow down or to speed up or to sit still, you know, um, is it's inspiring. And so thank you for, for inviting us in. And I do, you know, not to like, push this into like a promotion, but I do feel um, like this is, if you find yourself in seasons like this, or you have found yourself in a season like this, Mm. or you can relate to anything that Lou is talking about, or that I had mentioned, um, you know, when our, we have the 2024 schedule for Mm -hmm. our two day and our five days. So our shift and our engage is up on the website. And so you better believe that in those, there will be some of the fruit from this season Hmm. um, that will show up. uh, Yeah. Yeah, February 23rd and 24th is our shift event. Mm -hmm. And then May 1st through the 5th is our next engage event. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So check it out. Yeah. All right. Again, you can find us on uh, Drop Gym or dropgym.com, mm-hmm. um, Drop Gym Effect, and then also at Drop Gym Medford. Yes. On and Instagram. then you can find Chantel at Chantel.Dayton on Instagram. And then you can find me, Lou Crenshaw, at Lou Crenshaw on Instagram. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yes. See you we'll next time. See you next time. Mm-hmm.